It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, Psalm 84, I'd love you to turn to Psalm 84, and we're eventually going to get over there, but uh, over the last uh, several days, and this is the kind of the last little episode in the mini-series here, but uh, over the last several days we've been talking about uh, the knowledge of knowing Jesus, but not just knowing Jesus in the sense of knowing him academically, uh, not even just having a perception of him, but actually getting wrapped up in the relationship and the intimacy and the oneness of who he is, and actually experiencing the living God. And I don't know about you, but if I had a choice between <clears throat> learning more about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus and having a relationship with the living God, I would rather know Jesus. And uh, I want to kind of bring that concept to just one other point. Again, we could probably talk about this forever. But I <clears throat> just want to give you one other concept uh, with this idea of knowing Jesus and what does it mean to pursue him and delight ourselves in him. Uh, and it's this idea that <clears throat> if I am truly knowing him, and again, I'm not just knowing him about facts and not just knowing him about, uh, for information and not just going and getting data, but if I am truly knowing Jesus for relationship, if I'm truly knowing him for, for intimacy, if I'm truly knowing him for experience, you realize I should be giving my life under that end. So again it's, again, it's not that I shouldn't be studying academically the realities of the word and of Jesus. It's not that I should just have perceptions of him and that kind of an understanding, but what would it look like for me to, in all of my life, in every area, every moment of every day, that the undercurrent of my life is a, a passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. And you, you know that that just rings all the way through the scriptures. And let me just give you a few passages. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6. It's one of our favorite verses around here. But in Hebrews 11 verse 6, uh, the writer says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Oh, isn't that an awesome thought? That God is a rewarder. That he just delights in rewarding something. Oh, what does he reward? Look at the end of the verse. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that a great thought? That those who give their whole focus, those who just delight in their God, those who just give full abandonment unto him, those who are willing to, to be reckless in their pursuit of Jesus, he rewards that. That God just delights himself in the reality of, hey, would you just passionately pursue me? And as you come after me and as you seek me, the guarantee, Jesus says, is if you seek, you will find. Hey, if you ask, hey, you will, you will receive. I mean, knock, the doors are going to be open. Why? Because God loves the one who seeks. And God, just the part of who he is in his nature is that he rewards those who seek after him. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 6.33 is, is that pa pastor that says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So, hey, don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about food. Hey, don't worry about just the essence of living. I, that's important. We get that. And, hey, don't neglect it. Hey, we get that. But, hey, if you would just go after Jesus, hey, if you would just seek after him, hey, if there would be a, just a full abandonment under the realities of Jesus Christ, whoa, hey, he'll, 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 he, will, he will supply absolutely everything that you need. Why? Because he is a rewarder of those who not just seek him, 
but those who diligently seek him. I just think that's awesome. Now, we're about to get there in, uh, in our Ephesians study. But it's interesting as you get into Ephesians chapter 1 and you get into the prayer that Paul is praying, which uh, we're, we're just now entering into. It's been really exciting. Um, and again, I won't go deep into this because we're, we're about to get to this anyway. But a part of his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 that Paul is making is that he says, I, I pray that you would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints. And you go, oh, I get an inheritance. Yes, you do. Isn't that an exciting thought? There is a guaranteed inheritance. <laughs> and what's really neat about your inheritance is the fact that your inheritance does not start when someone dies. Usually, you know, someone dies, you get an inheritance. Or in this case, probably more likely most people think about it is I die and then I get my inheritance, which is heaven. But that's not in the passage. What's really neat is when you get into the heart of the inheritance, the inheritance that you and I receive which again goes back up to earlier verses that we've been studying, uh, verses 11 through 14, is that the inheritance itself, according to Paul, is Jesus. That he is our great reward. That he is our inheritance. So, we're about to get here, but think about this. Uh, You recognize that scripturally, greed is always wrong. Greed is evil. Greed is a sin. Except in one area. There's one area scripturally that I can find that you are, are actually called to be greedy in, hey, that you are called to just pursue, that you are just to be obsessed with. What is that? Your inheritance, which is not money. It's not a new car. It's not, it's, it's a person. And wouldn't it be interesting, the illustration I've been using in this passage is this idea that uh, if we had a back room and we filled the back room floor to ceiling with $100 bills, and we said, all right, look, you get one opportunity you're going to go in the room, and when you come out of the room, whatever you, whatever you bring out with you is all that you get. Now, who on earth would walk into that room and grab one $100 bill and go, eh, that's enough, and then they walk out? I don't know of a single person who would do that. What are they going to do? Hey, they are going to grab as much as they can. They're going to stuff their pockets. In fact, I'd be sewing on pockets. Why? Because I am, I am stuffing as many of those bills so I can take them all with me. And isn't it interesting we, we do that with money? And yet, here is God who has made himself available to us, who has really stretched himself out wide, saying, hey, help yourself, take as much as you want. And we are, we are so satisfied with so little when it comes to Jesus. And yet, he has opened himself up, and he's a limitless well of richness. And he's saying, hey, you can, hey, you can be greedy in one area, me. Just go after me. Just, just go crazy. Just pursue. Hey, just give, give your whole life to this one end. What's the end? Me, says Jesus. And I am never to be greedy about anything. Well, except maybe one thing, which is him. I love that idea. And what would happen is Paul says that I begin to actually understand the richness of my inheritance, which is a person, his name is Jesus. And if that is true, if there's this bottomless reality of an inheritance. Now, we understand that the fullness of the inheritance is going to be experienced in the heavenlies. But you realize I get to experience my inheritance now. That eternal life does not start when I die. Eternal life is started now for those who are in Christ Jesus. That I am getting to experience the reality of eternal life. Because, again, eternal life is not longevity. Eternal life is a person. 
because he himself is our life. And wouldn't it be neat if I just, oh, if I just went crazy after that. That's actually really interesting. When you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter, at the very end of the love chapter, Paul makes a statement. And again, we've been walking through the different words for, for knowledge in, in the Greek. And it's interesting, we've been focusing on gnosko and how amazing gnosko is with Jesus. And how you can just get wrapped up in gnosko with Jesus. And how you are to be obsessed with Jesus. And how it's not just knowing about Jesus, you're to actually get wrapped up in the relationship and the intimacy with Jesus. And if you look at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Paul makes this phenomenal, I mean, just phenomenal statement. And it's almost like, woo, I, I, I don't know how we can wait. But he, but he makes this statement, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 12, he says, Now we see through a glass dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Again, he's talking in their culture, this idea that uh, they would usually look at bronze or they would look at some sort of an object, silver, to see the reflection. They didn't have mirrors, and so the best they had is these, you know, they, they would take metal or whatever, and they would kind of bang it out as flat as they could. It probably had some ripples, right? And so you'd look at it, and you can see your reflection, but it's not really your reflection. I mean, it's your reflection, but it's not your reflection. It's, you look at it, and you have all these dents in your face, right? And, and, and it's not because you have issues, though you may have issues. Uh, the, the reason you have dents is because of the metal. That makes everyone tracking. <laughs> Paul says, you realize that what we have with Jesus right now is like looking at that bronze object, and you, you see the reflection, but it's not clear. Can you imagine that what we have with Jesus, as amazing as it is, as rich as it is, Paul says it's like looking in this fogged up metal thing. And you can see it, but it's, it's, it's hazy. He says, you recognize that there's coming a day when what, what has always been in this haze or this bronze reflection is going to become face to face. And then he makes a statement. He says in verse 12, now I gnosko in part. By the way, that's amazing. I mean, the fact that we get a gnosko with Jesus, the fact that we get wrapped up in relationship and intimacy with Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they might gnosko you, hey, that they would have relationship and intimacy and oneness with you. And Paul then says, hey, do you recognize that on earth, the best that we can have is gnosko, which is amazing. But, he says, then, speaking of the eternals, Right? Speaking of, hey, this time when we're going to be face-to-face with Jesus, he says, but then I shall epigonosco, just as I am epigonosco. And the word epigonosco is obviously the word gnosko, but it has that prefix epi. And the word epi has this idea of it's an intensifier. It makes it bigger. It's like sticking a piece of dynamite, and it's, I mean, it's, it just elevates this thing. Uh, it's the idea, if you want to think epic, it's like epic gnosko. Could you imagine what Paul's saying? He says, the best that you and I get to have, which is phenomenal. I mean, it really is. It's mind-boggling. The fact that we get to have relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, and the one that just spoke everything into existence, we actually get to have relationship. It's not that we just go down to the temple and we just kind of tip our hats and we go, hey, God, is, it's great that you're, uh, you kind of give us the time of the day. No, he knows us intimately. He, he knows the number of hairs in our head or lack thereof. Right, he, 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 knows, he knows our name. He knows how many freckles I have. I've tried counting. I, I quit counting. But he knows how many freckles I have. 
Do you realize it's not that he's out there looking from, at us from a distance. He is intimate with us. That he is tight. That he's just, and we get to have relationship. We get to experience. We get to participate. We get to have intimacy and oneness with the living God. And as phenomenal, I mean, absolutely phenomenal as that is, could you imagine what, what eternity is going to be like? When, when what we get to experience here on earth is merely but the bronze reflection, this hazy reality of what the eternities are going to be. Because then there, there's going to be a removal of the haze, the, the bronze dented reflection, and what we're going to have in eternity is, wow, this face-to-face reality and intimacy. And the gnosko we have now is going to be elevated and expanded to a whole nother level I don't even know how you want to, I don't know, I, my mind can't even wrap around that. But I am excited. It's going to be so awesome. Because, hey, I, I, I don't know what could get better this side of heaven besides knowing Jesus. Not knowing about him, but actually knowing him. And as phenomenal as that is here, which I don't know how, I mean, I know it increases and it gets better and better and better through the years, but to go from Gnosko to Epigonosco, I just, I'm going to have to have a new body to contain it. I really will. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, that's awesome to me. See, what would it look like if I spent my life then pursuing him? That he's really opened himself up wide saying, hey, help yourself. Why would, why would I be satisfied with so little of Jesus when he has really given me the opportunity for, for everything? And yet we as a Christian culture have just been like, oh, that's fine. I got enough. Thank you, Jesus. I got my get out of hell free card. And uh, yeah, I'll go to church on Sundays because, you know, you, you'll probably get angry at me if I don't do that. And, and we just, we, we become so satisfied with so little when we as sons and daughters of the king of the universe have an opportunity to have so much more. Well, how are you going to experience the richness of your inheritance? You've got to get to know him. And again, it's not just, yeah, you're going to know about him. As you, as you get into the word, as you begin to experience his presence, it, it, you are going to learn more and more about him. But the learning about him is to drive you into the reality of actually knowing him and experiencing him and participating with him and intimately in, in oneness having a relationship with him. And Jesus says, that's eternal life. Oh, is this. If you flip over to Matthew uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving the manifesto of the kingdom. He's talking about the realities of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. <clears throat> and he's just turning everything on its head. <clears throat> and uh, he makes a statement. Uh, and again, it's, he's building an argument in the Beatitudes. And he, blessed are the poor in the spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who, who are meek. And we don't have time to get into all those details, but you need to study that out. It, again, it's just this phenomenal reality of Jesus talking about the fact that, hey, here's how God has made you. He has made you helpless. Woo, congratulations. And because you're absolutely helpless, do you know what that's going to cause you to do? It's going to cause you to recognize your state, and you're going to begin to mourn. But what that's going to cause you to do is it's going to cause you to press in and experience the reality of what God is wanting to do in and through your life. That here you are, you recognize that you're helpless, that he made you poor in spirit, Again, we're not talking about finances, though most of us are, are poor in that sense too. But he's not talking about poverty in that sense, but he's saying, hey, you are literally destitute. You, hey, as we would say around here, you don't have it in your pockets. 
that you don't have the resource and the supply, that you are just absolutely down to it, helpless. So how are you going to make it as a Christian? Well, you're going to need him. And so you're going to live in this surrender, in this abiding relationship where you depend upon the living God. And he is going to come into your life and begin to do something in and through you that you cannot do on your own. And when he comes inside of you, do you know what we call that? We call that Christianity. That it's not you living your life for him. It's him coming in your life and living his life in and through you. But look at verse 6. This is all building up. And he says, hey, when you begin to recognize all of this, he says, blessed are those, Matthew 5, 6, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh. Jesus says, you know what happens in your life? As you begin to, to crave and depend on Jesus, there's this, there's this unsatiable hunger and thirst within you that cause you to just crave sustenance. Now, I've never truly experienced true hunger. I mean, I, you know, I see the, the movies of the, you know, the kids in Africa and on the streets and all that kind of stuff who are just absolutely desperate and hungry. But hey, there's days where, hey, I've gone two hours without eating and hey, I get hungry. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was dumb. But anyway, hey, you know, hey, you, you, know, you, you forget to eat lunch and you know, now it's been you know, eight, nine hours, ten hours, and you're just like, wow, why, why am I... Why am I fam? I'm just, my stomach is growly. Like, whoa, like, what's going on? Oh, I'm hungry, right? And that hunger, and praise the Lord for hunger pains, right? Because otherwise we'd probably forget to eat, some of us. <laughs> some of us would never forget to eat. But, but the reason we get hunger pains is to drive us to eat. So here's this hunger. Oh, I've got, I've got to have something. So what does it make you do? It makes you go find something in the refrigerator. And as you, as you eat that which is in the refrigerator, oh, oh, praise the Lord. Right? It's that idea. What would happen if I had that with Jesus spiritually? That the one who is righteousness in my life, Jesus, that there was just this hunger and thirst after him. That there was this craving within my very being. And I just, I had to have him. Again, as we were talking about yesterday, see, what would happen if you bounced out of bed and it wasn't, well, I better get into the word. Disciplines. Right? Hey, I better study the Bible. I better read this thing. Buckle down. Grit your teeth. Pull this thing off. See, what if it was never about that? See, what if it's, you wake up, your eyes pop open in the morning, you're like, whoo, I have an opportunity this morning. I just, I just cannot help myself. I've got to get into the word. Why? Because I, I, I want to experience him, and I, I want to get to know him more because I want to know him. And this wasn't a have to. There's this passionate hunger. And that, that probably does tell you something, doesn't it? If physically, the reason we have hunger pains is to drive us to sustain our physical bodies, you recognize we are given spiritual hunger pains. Why? So that our spirit doesn't die. Which means if you're never experiencing hunger pains, either one, you're always full, or two, you are so just lifeless in the spirit, in the reality of just, you're just malnourished, or you just even, don't even realize you're hungry anymore. But see, what if you'd wake up in the morning and there was just this hunger, <gasps> it's been like, you know, five hours since I fell asleep, and I'm just, or 12 hours, whatever it is for you, and, and I just, I, I can't go another moment without spending more time with Jesus. So I just, I'm hungering, and I'm thirsting after him. Again, not, not, not for information, but for, for intimacy and for life. 
And the promise is, again, it goes back to the promise. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The, re the reward is, the promise is, that those who hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. Now, I love this idea. Here I am, I hunger and thirst. So I partake. And oh, it nourishes me. But what does it do? It expands my capacity. <laughs> right? We just went through the Christmas season. I have been expanded in my capacity. Right? So what does it cause me to do? Oh, I hunger and thirst for some more. So I, I eat some more and I thirst some more. I, mean, I drink some more and, right? My capacity has increased, which causes me to hunger and thirst some more. So, hey, I go and I partake and, now, in the physical, there is a limit. Because, there comes a point when, right? You just, you can't, you can't expand indefinitely physically. But spiritually, you realize there is no end. That I hunger and thirst after him, and he fills me, and I'm satisfied, but it causes me to be hungry and thirsty some more, so pfft, he expands my capacity, and so I go after him, and he fills me, and I'm satisfied, but pfft, my capacity expands, and so I go after him, and he fills me, and wouldn't it be amazing if I had that all the days of my life? I love the Andrew Murray quote. Andrew Murray says, ask me if I'm satisfied in Jesus. And with every fiber of my being, he said, I will tell you I'm satisfied in Jesus. But let us never hesitate to say, this is only the beginning. Why? Well, because, man, every time I hunger and thirst after him, he just, he does something in my life, he expands my capacity, and I just, I have to have more of him. It's like that song, the more I seek him, the more that I find him, and the more that I find him, the more that I love him. Oh, but there's a problem. The more that I love him, the more I want to seek him. So I go seek him, and I find him, and I find him, and I love him. But that causes me only to go seek him some more. And so I seek him, and I find him, and I find him, and I love him, and I love him, and I seek him, and I seek him, and I find him. Wouldn't it be amazing if that was the rest of your life? Uh, my good friend and mentor, Stephen Manley, his illustration for this, <clears throat> which I keep stealing and using because I just think it's the best illustration ever. He says, what would happen if you hungered and thirsted after righteousness? In the sense that what, what would happen if you were like a fat little kid in a pool of chocolate? I mean, hey, if you're a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, little chubby kid, oh, cute, sitting in a pool of dark chocolate, you would only have one prayer on your mind. Oh, God, increase my capacity. That's good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. See, I want to be a little kid in a pool of chocolate with Jesus, whose only prayer is, God, increase my capacity. That, would you just give me this hunger and thirst for you? Will, will you, yeah, satisfy me and fill me, but, but as you satisfy and fill me, would you expand my capacity, which only causes me to hunger and thirst after you more, so I pursue you, and I go after you, and I seek you, and I find you, and I love you, and man, you satisfy me, and you fill me, but whoa, I just, the more I grab a hold of you, the more I realize there's, there's, there's more there to grab a hold of. So it makes me just crave you all the more, and I pursue you. And see, this is a lifelong adventure of getting to know Jesus. I never come to a point in my life where I go, whoop, I figured it all out. I don't even think in the eternities we'll have it all figured out. In fact, I, I'm fairly convinced that God is so big that in 10 billion gazillion years, which is, I'm presuming, a long time, but in 10 billion gazillion years from now into eternity, you realize we're still going to be on the tippity top of the shaved ice on the top of the iceberg of all that there is of who God is. 
that when I get to heaven, I don't become all-knowing. God is all-knowing. That I'm still going to be learning and growing and expanding in my understanding and knowledge and intimacy of God. And for all eternity, I'm going to be getting to know him more and getting wrapped up in intimacy more and somehow falling more in love with him. And whatever I get to have here on earth is but this fog, this bronze metal thing which in the eternities is going to be expanded and we're going to see face to face and this thing is going to be rich and this thing is just going to be, I mean, the lid is going to come off and there's going to be no limit. But you realize that I get, I get to experience him for all eternity. And hungering and thirsting is, it seems like it's not going to just going to be on this side of heaven that I get for all eternity to go after him and get to know him and pursue him and just delight myself in him because he is my inheritance So, look at Psalm 84. <clears throat> Again, this is all over Scripture, and, and you, you can study this all out, but see, what would it look like if I gave my life to the pursuit of knowing Him? What, what if I would give my entire life to the pursuit of just knowing Him more and having richer intimacy and being more passionate and, yeah, learning more about Him, but learning more about Him so that it drives me to, to actually having greater intimacy and relationship with him. I love what, what Psalm 84 says. It was written by the sons of Korah, and it's just this cry, this plead. And simply the, the prayer in the passage is that there's such a longing for intimacy with God that he says that, hey, even the lowest place in the presence of God is better than being without him. That even just being near him, even, even just being able to see him from a distance is even better than just not having any ass, a, a, a access. But the cry is, I, it's not that I just want to see you from a distance. The cry is, oh, I, I want to pursue and I want to come into this realm of intimacy and oneness with the living God. So, so look at what the psalmist says. Verse 1 of Psalm 84 how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. I mean, how absolutely amazing is the place where you dwell. And you can even hear the undercurrent is just this cry of, I want to be there. Hey, where you are is the, is the place where I want to be. I don't, I don't want to be in any other place but exactly where you're at. Verse 2 says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. And you understand the courts of the Lord is language in this culture of talking about the very near presence of God. That in the temple, I, I don't want to just be on the outer courts. Or I can go one step further. I don't want to be outside the temple looking, saying, whoop, that's the temple of God. Bless the Lord. Whoop. And yet that's what most, that's what most believers today are doing. We are, we are standing outside. We just show up to church and say, whoo, yay, God. And then I go live my life. And every Sunday I show up and I kind of tip my hat and say, whoop, there he is. Whoo, yay, go, God. And I just I do my own thing, and he's just he's at a distance. And see, that's not Christianity. What's Christianity? The outside God has come to be on the inside, and now he is wanting to have relationship with me, and he wants to intimately know me, and he wants me to intimately know him. And here is the psalmist in an Old Testament context, which is just crazy to me, yet yearning for the very thing that we should be yearning for. And he says, "My soul longs and faints for the presence, the courts of the Lord." My heart and my body cry out for the living God. 
See, what if you would have that cry every single morning? See, what, what if you would wake up in the morning and say, God, I just, I, I cannot go a single moment without you. See, I, I refuse to live a single moment of this day outside of your presence. And yeah, I could probably go and go do some activities, but see, I, I refuse to just go and do activities. See, I, I want you in the everyday moments of my life. And hey, if you are living inside of my life, I am, I am carrying you wherever I go. So would you invade my thinking? Would you invade my life? Would you invade my words? Would you just... Hey, will you just get soaked and saturated in the, in the everyday moments of my life? Because I refuse to be anywhere but where you're at. So, hey, God, we got to get tight. And my heart and my, and my soul, my body cries out for who you are. And again, it goes through this <clears throat> passage, but, but look down at verse 10. We, we turn it into a song. But, but listen, listen to verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist is saying, you recognize that if I could just spend one day in his presence, one day in his presence is better than being anywhere else for a thousand. That hey, you can give me the best the world has to offer, the very tippity top, the best that the world can provide. And the psalmist says, hey, I, I, would, I would rather give all that up for even just one day in his presence. Why? Because his presence is so good. And you realize that as Christians, we no longer have to go down to the temple and actually spend time in, in presence, that we get to be filled with his presence by the spirit of the living God, that we have become the temple and we become the dwelling place of God in our, in our world. And so how much more amazing is Psalm 84 and a lot of the fact that as a Christian, no longer is that I have to go down to the temple to spend time with God. God has come into my life. He's invaded my life through his spirit, and now he is wanting to spend time with me, which means the whole, hey, one day in your presence is better than a thousand elsewhere is so much more true. It's so much better in the Christian world. Why? Because it doesn't have to just be one day. But I can live moment by moment by moment by moment, day by day by day, year by year by year, just ah, with him in presence and intimacy and oneness. Why? Because his spirit lives inside of my life. The end of verse 10 says, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather take this low position in the house, the presence of my God, than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That, that the best the world has to offer and all the pleasures and all the delight and, and everything that the world can, just wants to throw my way, you know what? I would rather take the least position in the presence of my God because it's in the presence of my God than be given the world. See, do, do you have that? Do you have that passion? Do you have that overwhelming desire of, God, I just, I, I, I just don't want the things of the world. I just, somehow I just want you. I love the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wondrous face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, somehow it says I'm staring at him and getting wrapped up in his presence and getting to know him intimately and participating with him in his activities and his purpose and his plan. You realize that the delight of spending one day with him and again, as Christians, we get, hey, this is daily. But you recognize that just the delight of spending time with him. Hey, one day, 
I'm just spending time in your presence, oh God, is far better than anything the world has to offer. In fact, the more I spend time in your presence, the things of this world just, they just don't appeal. Why would I want kingdoms when I have the king of kings? Why would I want money when he is my inheritance? See, why, why would I want to pursue anything outside of him when he wants to be my everything? And could I, could I give my whole life in pursuit of him? See, gnosko, this idea of gnosko is not a, well, get it done, check it off a list, and whew, got one more thing done. See, gnosko, this is ongoing. This thing is increasing. This thing is expanding. And, and we said it earlier this week, but see, what would it look like if you knew Jesus better next week than you knew him this week? And what if at the end of the day, as I'm falling asleep on my pillow, see, what if somehow my intimacy with Jesus today has increased even more than what it was when I woke up this morning? And hey, if you think I love Jesus now, just give me a few years. This thing's increasing. See, what, what would happen if someone looked at your life three years from now or five years from now or ten years from now or twenty years from now? See, they should not be able to recognize you because, yeah, you may look the same, you may smell the same, and, but, but hey, there's, there's been an increase in just your passion, your knowledge, your intimacy with the living God and, and somehow he's, he's changing your heart and your mind and your perception and your attitude and your language and, and you're looking more and more like him because he's invading your life and oozing out of every part of your body. And see, that's the idea of gnosko. It's that cute old couple idea where I just so get to know him that it's like I start to think like him and act like him and talk like him. And in fact, I start to look like him. Do you know what we call those people? We call them Christians. I want to be a Christian. And a Christian isn't someone who just goes to church on Sundays. See, a Christian isn't someone who just reads the Bible See, a Christian is someone who is pursuing the living God with all of their being. And the promise is that he is a rewarder of those who do that. Those who seek him first, ah, he gives them all that they need. Pray with me. Lord, Lord, how lovely is your dwelling place. How lovely is your presence. And Lord, like the psalmist says, I... I want to be able to say my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts, the presence of the Lord, that my heart and my soul cries out for the living God, that, hey, I would rather have one day in your presence than be anywhere else for a thousand. That even if I had the lowest position, but I got to be in your presence, whoo, that'd be so much better than the best the world had to offer. So, Lord, whatever is needed in my life to bring that about, Lord, I, I need you to do it. Lord, I want to surrender afresh. Lord, Lord, I'm craving, I'm just craving to have this on another level. Lord, I, I don't want to look the same at the end of 2020 as I did at the end of 2019. See, I, I want to know you more. Hey, I, I want the things of the world to grow far more dim See, see I, I, want the, I want to wake up in the morning and, and have the very first thought of my mind being, Woo, I get to spend this day with Jesus. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Woo. And Lord, truth be told, I, I, I think of myself far too much. That, yeah, you know, I want to spend time in your presence, but 
But when it's convenient, when it's easy, and when I feel like it, Lord, I, I don't want that in my life. I want to burn. I want a passion. I, I, want, I don't want this craving in my soul that just yearns for you. Like a, pant, a deer that panteth for the water, so my soul, I, I want it to pant after you, to be desperate for you, to diligently seek you, to hunger and thirst for you. Lord, I want to be a little kid in a pool of chocolate whose only prayer is, oh, God, increase my capacity. And somehow in the pursuit of you, wow, you expand me. And yeah, yeah, you satisfy and fill me, but wow, you, you expand my capacity. And moment by moment, day by day, year by year, I just, oh, I want you more. I want you more. I want you more. And Lord, I do want to learn more about you, but wow, what would it look like to know you, the one true God? What would it look like to know you, to experience you, to have relationship and intimacy and oneness with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. And Lord, I love the fact that, hey, you are not distant from us, but you've come to indwell us, that we get to be vessels. Yeah, cracked pots, but hey, we are vessels shining forth your life and your truth and your word. So, Lord, would you give each of us a craving, a passion, an insatiable desire that, yeah, we're satisfied, but we're not satisfied. I mean, we're, we're full, but woo, we are still hungry. And, Lord, give us a, a yearning, a passion to not take this year lightly, to, but, but be intentional and pursue you diligently. For the promise is that you will reward those who do. And we understand it's not money. It's not new cars. It's not fame. Your reward is with you. And that which we seek, we find. Lord, we love you. Thank you that we get such an opportunity to pursue you. To have relationship with you, to have intimacy and oneness, interaction. We get to participate. That we get to gnosko you. We love you. Give the praise and the glory in your precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.